creative as I would use. <laughs> That was great. <laughs> Welcome to the Gary and Jesse Talk About Stuff podcast, where we were playing a podcast from June 27, and we were wondering, why on earth don't we have a million subscribers? Oh, because <laughs> we're not good at this. Yeah. They, oh, that's it. Man, it's funny because I was like... I. I expected Gary to come on and be like, hey, welcome to the... And, and apparently what we used to do is just, hello, I'm Gary. Hello, I'm Gary. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's part of our uh, evolution, part of our getting better, part of our growing in this thing called the podcast, right? Yeah, we're, we're, definitely, uh, we're, we're definitely better, uh, With a big question mark. Welcome yeah. to the Gary and Jesse Talk About Stuff podcast, where we talk about stuff, where we listen to our old podcast because we're prideful that way. We <laughs> like to hear ourselves talk. That's why we started a podcast, so that we could just talk and ramble and chase rabbit trails and talk about 90s basketball, about Marvel movies, about Moon Knight. Mm, yeah, Moon Knight. <laughs> and How awesome is that going to be? Somewhere in the middle of all of that, we end up talking about theology because the really incredible thing is that there are glimpses of God all over the place. And sometimes you have to dig. Uh, sometimes you have to listen to an hour-long podcast or however long we feel like going in order to get just one little nugget of theology, of wisdom. But somewhere it is there, and you have to dig sometimes. But there is this thing called revelation, right? And God does that. He reveals himself through a bunch of different aspects of life, and that's what we're hoping to help you with. Is that right, Jesse? Yeah, that's exactly it. We believe that every square inch, to use an old Kyperian term, uh, is both owned but also has God in. So it's our hope that in one way, shape, or form, as you listen to this, it either draws you to Christ or draws your relationship closer to Christ. That's our ultimate goal, even through the silliness. So. Amen. Uh, bunch of stuff to cover. Uh, we're in the middle of a Lent series. We'll end up talking about what we have uh, preached on, uh, end up talking about some of the things that we will preach on, uh, probably end up telling you about some schedule, like what you got to pay attention to, how to go to forallwhothirst.com and see a calendar and all that good stuff. We also have to talk about the NCAA March Madness, about yeah. the brackets, about how... Did you get any of them right? Uh, I'm at about 40% right now. Yeah? Yeah. I uh, think I got like one or two right yeah. and uh, predicted. Uh, I like to go by colors and uh, whichever <laughs> color I, I feel like looks really fun. That's I the go same with that thing. one. Same thing my mom does. Right? It's great. <laughs> and it uh, almost works out. Um, I would like to, uh, so we often ask like, what are we aiming for here at the podcast? And uh, we like to have a lot of fun. And then... Usually, like, Jesse and I kind of 
end up talking for 10 minutes beforehand, like, oh, this is kind of what's on the calendar, or this is what uh, I've just been facing, or whatever. I kind of want to tread just a little bit deeper, uh, maybe not deep, deep, but there's a lot of, like, denominational split kind of talk, and RCA, and what do we do in there, and all that kind of stuff, and I almost wanted to say something like this, like, uh, if you're looking for advice, like, what do we do, what do we don't do, uh, use some language, like, be the least anxious presence in the room, and lean on that. Does that sound fair? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the biggest thing that anybody can do right now is not panic. Right. Um, when, uh, whether it be the world and the world politics or whether it be through the pandemic or right. whether it be denominations, whatever. I said this a couple of weeks ago in a message to a lot of us. It feels like the entire world is panicking and losing their minds. Mm -hmm. And the important thing is to not lose your minds with them. Mm -hmm. So that way you can be the one who just kind of quells the anxiety. Right, right. And same thing Christ did. Absolutely. And there's so many areas. Jesse and I, right before we went on, just kind of took a deep breath. And that alone is a huge step forward, I think. Just yeah. take a breath and breathe for a second. But we kind of said this language of there's just so much. I talked to a couple different people over the last couple of days. Uh, yesterday, as we kind of did the fellowship thing at church and talked, uh, oh, how's your week, man? How's your week? Just a lot of exhaustion around people, I feel like. And I don't have the perfect antidote for that other than take a really deep breath mm -hmm. and be the least anxious presence in the room. And uh, a bunch of cliches about, you know what, it will work out in the end, whether yeah. it's the way you want it to or not would be the difference there. It will work out for the way God wants it to. Yeah. And that might mean pain and suffering in the midst of it. That might mean kind of a junky time for uh, stretch. That might mean a junky time for the rest of your life here on earth. But in the end, uh, Job says this, right? I will see my Savior standing. Mm -hmm. And we kind of rest on that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, First Peter, you know, it sits there and says, yeah, though you suffered a little while. I actually mm -hmm. think that's your parting blessing now mm -hmm. that I think about it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, after you suffer a little while, uh, that that's both a proclamation of God's glory as well as an unfortunate promise because things are, you know, things are not always great. Right. Um, and, you know, kind of with the denominational stuff, I know the RCA is going through some, some things right now. Mm -hmm. And the CRC is not to the same extent, but, you know, there's, there's discussions. And right. I'm going to be at Synod this year and we're going to be talking about that. But the, the big thing I think I can say is you're not losing your church, right. first of all. You're not. I mean, it's okay. Right. And second of all, um, yeah, the last two, three years have been a tough time. Mm -hmm. And as a, it's been a tough time, the anxieties tend to compound, mm -hmm. which is why it's so incredibly important that we all just need to take a deep breath and go, okay, God right. is with us. We're all right. And don't you think anxiety has a way of building upon itself, too? So you could almost say, like, I think of like a boxer up against the ropes kind of thing, right? So uh, if we were up against the ropes with COVID, mm -hmm. uh, we got punched in the gut with uh, everything happening around, well, this is how you have to go out in public. This is how you can't go out in public. Mm -hmm. uh, society in general continued to take hits through different race relations, through different uh, beliefs on how this should be handled, how that should be handled. It feels like we've just kind of been up against the ropes for a while, yeah. right? And then, of course, 
we see some of the tragedy from Ukraine, from Russia. Uh, we see several natural disasters here in the last little bit. We had the tornadoes, uh, a couple of different accidents, all of those things compound. Earthquakes, Japan. Right? And I wonder what a, in some ways, a bad way to like start by saying all of the bad things. But there's also some maybe release the pressure valve by simply acknowledging this is hard. Yeah. This is hard. And maybe that's part of what David does in the Psalms also laments the fact that, hey, this is really hard. Yeah. And I forget exactly which book. Uh, I've been doing a bunch of the reading through this psalm commentary, that psalm commentary, but one of them said something along the lines. It's an area where the church in general has kind of failed by not acknowledging lament. Yeah. Like not acknowledging, hey, this is really hard. This is a bad situation. This is tough. Yeah. Trying to put on some rose-colored glasses and, no, we're going to be fine, we're going to be fine. Do you think that's part of maybe the compounding the situation? I think so. I think that, unfortunately, the Western church specifically has um, largely focused on one of two things in dire times, which is somehow it's either God's judgment, we all just need to be better people, Mm. or, number two, we just need to pray harder, and then God will bless us. Mm. And what ends up happening when we do that is uh, we put the responsibility of goodness upon us, mm-hmm. which is false. And what also ends up happening <clears throat> is we find ourselves in situations where if it doesn't get better, we basically ask why. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Right. Like, and you know, Why is it still happening? Why, why is it isn't still it happening? Better? Right. And I think it's important to remember, and I've said this a lot over the last year and a half, oddly enough, probably more so than I ever have before, and hopefully I ever will again. Uh, It's important to remember that this is exactly what Jesus taught, said it would be like. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone asks, is it the end of the world? And I say, well, yeah, it's been the end of the world since Jesus ascended. Right. It's always been the last days, right? Uh, since two thousand years ago, right? The moment he ascended to heaven, and the angels had to say to the disciples, "Get to work," right? It was the last days then, and it, we were told it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Right. But I am still with you in it, right? So yeah, of course, this is what the ultimate outcome would be. Mm-hmm. But that's where we need to literally lament to Christ and rest in Christ, mm-hmm. because He's the only one who can carry us through, right? I think you've said it this way before, and I really liked it. We've always been in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, since he ascended, it yeah. started the fourth quarter. And so it's a very clear understanding. As John was uh, put on the island and wrote the book of Revelation about what is coming, and very clear understanding, yeah, this is what's going to take place. And I, I hesitate to say, like, oh, this specific war means this specific war in Revelation. Like, it's a very hard to uh, do apples for apples because there's so much analogy, right, in yep. Revelation. I feel like there's a lot of symbolism and all those kind of things. But I wouldn't deny that, yeah, those are all, like, things that are uh, at least taking place in our hearts and our souls. Like, yeah. the wondering, the fear, the anxiety, all of it. Yeah. is very, very true. And yeah. I, I hesitate to say now more than ever, but because, yeah, Great Depression, um, all of the 
uh, Sputnik stuff, like that everything, every culture went through so many years ago. Like, it was always anxiety and that kind of thing, but it feels more pointed now. Um, And and I don't know if I could scientifically prove that, that that is more true now, but there's something about social media. There's something about the way that everything is communicated, uh, something about the way we treat each other even Mm -hmm. that makes it feel more uh, distinct and makes the anxiety and the fear feel a little bit more real. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's, you know, you you could make the argument and probably should that there were periods in history where they had it way worse than we do today. Oh, very, right. You look at the, what is it, 14th century, Right. When a third of the European population died from the bubonic plague. Right. And you're going, okay, well, there's 40% of, you know, the the population of France and Great Britain just gone right. in, in literally 80 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's tough. But the difference is no one really knew about it outside, or outside of Europe because right. aside from a few traders that didn't exactly spread to the New World, it mm-hmm. didn't exactly spread to the indigenous people of Australia. It didn't go across the globe as far as we can tell as far as china etc etc right with this because we live in such a globalized world all of a sudden one problem is all of our problem Mm -hmm. and when it becomes all of our problem and everybody it's much like a it's much like a church a really tight-knit church where one person's death is very much in their family but it affects everybody in the church right right and it's just like that in the world and right. we're seeing that now with with Ukraine, where it's one nation's issue is now the world's issue. Right. And there's good and bad to that. The good is that we can support and hopefully pray for each other. Right. The bad is that it has a tendency to wear us out. Do you think I, I'm really buying more and more into family systems and Friedman and psychology that way, especially as we did that emotionally healthy spirituality talk yeah. about being a part of an incredible family system where you throw a stone in this pond over here and the ripple effect ends up doing something like a thousand yards away. Yeah. Do you think our family system, quote unquote, has grown larger through social media, like through uh, even low key relationship? Like if I see, some random celebrity says, hey, I had a really bad day this day or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. that has an effect on me for the rest of my day. Like, I'm kind of carrying their weight a little bit. And in some sense, uh, well, we're told to carry each other's burdens, right? Yep. But is there a line that has to be drawn there as far as letting someone else's anxiety or even letting someone else's uh, maybe view or positive or negative, letting that become mine. Like, yeah. there's a difference in uh, one of the famous uh, faith-walking lines is responsible to or responsible for. Mm-hmm. I'm not responsible for you, yeah, but I'm responsible to you. I'm responsible to everyone that I come in contact with, right? Something along those lines? Yeah, I completely agree. I think there's actually two important things to name there. The first of which is, you know, kind of going to addict, you know, language Mm -hmm. is the idea of, well, you know, I can care for you, but I can't do it for you. Mm. I I can't. I can love you as you're going down the well to the bottom. Right. 
and I can walk with you as far as crawl with you out of that well, but I can't pick you up out of that well. Right. I, I just can't do it. I can't carry myself and another person. Right. So it's the idea of, yeah, I'll love you as, as you struggle, but right. I can't struggle for you. Because what that ends up doing is we take on other people's baggage, and then we're so weighed down with it, we can't help anybody. Right, right. So that's the first part. And then the second part, as far as the globalization of just information where one person's issue becomes everyone's issue, mm -hmm. I always look at this example. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who some say is the best president ever, some say is the worst president ever, and I, you can guess which one I think. Mm. Some President Roosevelt, president from 1928 through 19 no excuse me 1932 through 1945 mm -hmm. was handicapped he couldn't walk could not walk mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. no one knew that at the time no one knew it he would actually put braces on his legs and he'd have his son walk with him and he'd stand behind the podium because he thought slash knew in his mind that if he showed the public that he was handicapped he would not have been elected mm. to national office mm -hmm. So it wasn't until the 80s, 90s, 70s that people found out that he was actually, unfortunately, crippled. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to 80 years later, apparently Pete Davidson is a guy that exists mm -hmm. and is dating Kim Kardashian or something. Mm -hmm. And now apparently there's this online Twitter feud or online text message feud with him and Kanye West. I don't care. Mm -hmm. But now I know absolutely everything about Pete Davidson's life. Right. Some right. character on SNL. That is a great synopsis of our world right now. Right. Where 80 years ago, a man of you power, we didn't know anything about him. And right. today, a cast member on a TV show, we know everything. Right. And now, because we are so knowing of everything with technology and whatnot, everybody is bogged down with what is happening in the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the best way I can put it. How does that go into carry each other's burdens? Do you think that's part of the... Uh, the author of writing that in scripture knows we're talking a small, close-knit group. We're yeah. talking caring for... Well, that's why doesn't Paul say uh, for the church first? And people say, like, oh, that sounds kind of selfish or whatever. But I think he's acknowledging uh, Christ had 12 disciples yeah. that he knew deeply and cared for deeply. That doesn't mean he doesn't care for the Samaritan woman as he uh, meets her by the well. That doesn't mean he doesn't care for the ruler who comes up and says, hey, my son is sick. Like, yeah. But they just don't have the same level of relationship. Yeah. And so some of that goes into the boundaries stuff too, right? Like we set boundaries on levels of relationship. I, I think we have to. Right. I mean, you know. It's a good example with Jesus and the 12 disciples. Right. I, and another good one is, you know, Jesus, uh, we know that he was, he loved Lazarus, you know, to the point where he raised him back from the dead. Mm -hmm. But aside from a couple of stories about him, we don't know the guy because right. that's not who he spent most of his time with right. in terms of his ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, we can think of Jesus kind of saying, I need to get away from the crowds for a while and going on a boat, right. you know, and then right. teaching from the shore, et cetera, et cetera. Right. There is evidence that Jesus also needed a break and couldn't care for everybody. Right. Um, he does care for everybody, mm -hmm. but he, he was human as well as God. Right. And he needed to sleep too. I love that language, especially uh, not to keep referencing this, but to come off of 
the emotionally healthy stuff. Like there's such a uh, need for taking care of your heart, taking care of your soul in order to care for someone's heart, in yeah. order to care for someone's soul. That's why I've heard this referenced a bunch of times, especially in ministry. Uh, the airplane mask that comes down if you're uh, in a tragic situation, uh, going to go into a crash mode, all that kind of thing. The incredible language is put your mask on first before you put anybody else's mask on. And that would go against like a parent's first inclination. Like, oh, I better get the mask on my kid. Yeah. But what good are you? If you're passed out. Yeah. Right? Like, that's kind of that language. And so, Jesus himself took that upon himself to get away, to take a breather, uh, to take a rest, and to connect with his father. And why would that be any different for us? Why would we not do that? Yeah, it's one of my favorite stories uh, regarding Jesus, which which shows, because, you know, in Western culture... We have this tendency to separate Jesus as God and Jesus as human, when in reality they were the same, you know, right. all God, all man. Right. One of my favorite ones is uh, Jesus is sleeping in the boat, and the storm comes up, and the disciples are panicking, and Jesus literally wakes up and goes, hey, calm down, and mm -hmm. the storm calms down, and he rests, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that just shows us that Jesus needed to sleep. Our, our Savior needed rest. Our right. Savior took a nap. Right. And I think that says to us that it's okay for us to think about ourself, if I can put it such a way. Oh, yeah, right. Um, that doesn't mean be selfish in all things. Right. But it, we have to be okay so that we can support others as they're going through the process of also being okay. I, I think there's so much in there about season, about knowing that it's for a period of time, about knowing that Jesus didn't spend all of his time away by himself, but he also didn't spend all of his time with people. Yeah. Maybe if it's worth anything for a listener to hear, you you got to understand the seasons of your life, right? It's a balance, and yeah. If you're going at a grueling pace all the time, you're going to burn out. If you're going at a turtle pace all the time, you're likely going to get bored and not be as effective. And so... Finding a balance in the season yeah, and finding a recognition of, hey, this is the season I'm in right now. I got to push through this, but I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a breather at some point yeah. or vice versa. Hey, I'm taking a breather right now. I got to get back into it at some point. Yeah. Some kind of language around there. I think so. And, you know, all that to be said, whoever's listening to this, whatever you're going through, I think it's important that not only take a breather, but understand what season you're in. Mm -hmm. um, feels like a world's problems are now all of our problems, as mm -hmm. we just discussed, mm -hmm. which is absolutely true. And there is a call to prayer for everything, really, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. But that also doesn't mean that sometimes we need to turn off the news. We need to just get away from the paper. We need to switch off our phone and the Twitter. Right. And sometimes it's okay to go out and golf or fish or whatever. Right. And just take a break. Right. And go, ah, okay, that's hard. But mm -hmm. know yourself, get recharged. It's okay yep. to think about this is what I need yep. in order to be okay. And I said this at some point during my sermon yesterday, too. Like, if you're incredibly disagreeing with that, and no, it's not time to take a break. 
okay. Yeah. Like, it's not up to me to convince nope. you to take that break. It's uh, for whatever needs to hear it, for whoever needs to hear it. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Gary and Jesse Talk About Stuff podcast, we are sponsored by the Pet Voice Translator. Oh, no. Pet Voice Translator. One name, one legend. It's a real thing? No, I just made that up. Oh, please tell me you made that up. Um, I was hearing a couple of podcasts, and they were doing their sponsored by and all that kind of good stuff. And I thought, wouldn't it be so much fun if we would play a quiz where you would have to say, I would say, like, the slogan. Yeah. And you would say, is that real or is that not real? Okay. And so I do a nice little Google search and uh, try to find that kind of quiz. And one of the things that pops up is bestslogans.com. <laughs> so shout okay. out to bestslogans.com where Represent. you can put your product name in the slogan generator. No. And you can have your slogan pop up. So here's what I'd like for you to do right now, Jesse. You're really good at this. Yeah. I want you to make up a brand or a company name. Okay. And I'm going to put that in the slogan generator. Okay. And I'll keep talking while you're thinking of one. Got and it. what we're going to do is pick from one of the three. Uh, it looks like it actually suggests like five different ones. So you can actually choose from any one of those five. So Jesse, Jesse, what JC, JC, <laughs> Jesse, what is your brand or company name? Chicken Pants. Chicken Pants for that fabulous person. <laughs> Chicken Pants for when you want your pants not to be made of denim, but of a sustainable resource like that of the chicken. Get Chicken Pants. Your dogs will love you. Not bad. Not bad. They came up with. Uh, several of them here. Uh, chicken pants. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> Boy, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> the, when the kids are hungry and you're on a walk, feed them your pants. Dad's wearing chicken pants. Chicken pants. Here, take some of my shin here. Yeah. Just a second. I could wear capris. They're here. not. They're not machine washable, but you'll they'll they feed your five-year-old. Machine washable. Wow. Uh, Ready? Uh, this one is just kind of there. Uh, free chicken pants. Okay, so free chicken I pants, like 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 we are in the act of freeing yeah. them. Liberate the chicken. Liberate pants. the chicken pants. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're going for. Okay. Uh, this one is a ripoff. Like they stole this. Uh, Lego my chicken pants. Boy, this generator is terrible. Like hey, I feel like they're going to end up sponsoring us. So yeah. don't. Oh yeah. Uh, make sorry. Them too bad. Sorry, generator. Oh, this one's really good. Chicken pants, your game. <laughs> I like to, I like to like make it, maybe think like I was your thinking game. like your move or right. something like that, but maybe like your game. Yeah, like <laughs> like you're in like your game. Oh wow, uh, that could work. Wow, that's uh, fantastic. Then and then the final one, chicken pants will brighten your day. <laughs> Except they won't at all. They will not brighten your day. Your pants made out of chicken. They I can't are think, pants made out of chicken. I can't think they of will more not. Horrifying. They will not brighten your day. Wow. So we are brought to you by Chicken Pants. Chicken Fun pants. for the whole family. <laughs> I don't agree with that slogan at I all. I love that. I love <laughs> that one. That's great. Uh, what did you preach on yesterday? So I actually had the Sunday off. Oh, uh, that's right. We had Chris Lean, who uh, taught for us uh, yesterday, talked about continuing our psalm series. He focused on verse 3b and focused on 
Jesus as our teacher mm. and how he not only instructs us of the ways of holiness, but also um, kind of teaches us holiness, but also brings us to the cross mm -hmm. from that teaching. So mm -hmm. it was uh, all, it was kind of teaching and sustaining. Mm -hmm. So it was it was kind of neat. I thought Chris did a wonderful job. That's great. Yep. So, um, you're seeing a lot in the psalm, right? Like just like diving yeah. into Psalm 23 this way yeah. um, is very beneficial, I think, uh, for me anyways. Um, there was one point during our previous discussion where I was going to reference some of the area I went to, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but as I'm talking, maybe I'll remember. So focusing on uh, refreshes, the Hebrew word is shub, and it has this idea of being uh, returned. Yeah. So he returns my soul. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of use that as a language of what are we returning then? Like mm -hmm. what, like David obviously acknowledges the need to return. Yeah. And so using that uh, big long story of walking in the garden, Adam and Eve having a sinful desire that they could do better than God, basically pride, yeah. uh, seeking their own glory and that turning into, I now need to be returned to that. Yeah. I now need to be returned to that perfect balance, that shalom, that peace. So seeking a return, but then also being guided along the right paths. But why? Why being guided along the right paths? I stumbled over this yesterday because it, it doesn't quite make sense in my mind, but it, it's there somewhere. We have a tendency to do the right thing but not always for the right reason. Yeah, yeah. Because we're coming out of needing to be returned, there is no pure, true, altruistic action where I'm not thinking of anyone, or I, I'm, I'm not thinking of myself, I'm thinking only of God's glory, I'm thinking only of the other person. That's not true. There's always a tinge mm -hmm. of selfishness, of pride. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing that I need him to guide me down his path means denying my human nature. Mm -hmm. It means being restored to that perfect shalom and then doing all of that, not for my namesake, but for his namesake. Is yeah. there something there about yeah. Yeah. the purpose of why we do the right thing? I think so. I mean, Calvin would say that the, that, the re, that the only right actions we ever take are an outpouring of the Spirit working in our lives and us allowing that Spirit to move in mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And the only choice that we can make is uh, the choice of sin, save for the grace of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think even in those moments where we are called to do something holy, we even have to struggle with how much of it is prompted by the Holy Spirit and how much of it is us desiring to get something out mm -hmm, of it. Mm -hmm. And it's very infrequent that we do stuff for a purely holy reason. But when we do, the credit can't even go to us. It right. all goes to the Holy Spirit. Because so how can a dead man save himself, right? Yeah. That would be that kind of language. Yeah, very very much Romans-inspired. Oh, you know, right. Paul. So right. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Uh, I actually I tried to avoid this because I... I feel like I end up circling back somehow or other to Marvel movies in uh and but I ended up mentioning that once upon a time we did like who would you be or whatever with yep. the Marvel movie yep. and I said I referenced Chris Evans or Captain America yeah number 1 because I look so much like him totally and Dead then ringer. I wait, and then I waited for the laugh and everybody like burst out laughing and I was like 
Oh, uh, that hurt a little bit. That actually <laughs> hurt a little. Like, I don't look like him. Yeah. And, and oh, yeah, that's right, I don't. Yeah. Um. So, but then, anyway, anyways, I said, I, I think I said him because I told you this. I told our uh, podcast that I feel like I've always had a really strong moral compass. Yeah. Like, what's right, what's wrong. But I said, reading this verse and dwelling on why I do what I do. I really believe I found some non-holy reasons for doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So I referenced the fact that I uh, often hope that there's this weird kind of payback, if you will. And yeah. and dangerously, I think that's kind of that uh, karma kind of feel. Like, oh, if I do something good over here then I get something back over here. Yep. Number one, no. Yep. That's never promised. Like, that's not his, that's not the gospel message. No, no. That's not what Jesus promises. It's not going to become easy for you, or you're not going to get this kind of uh, earthly reward because you did the right thing. Yeah. Right? It, it's, you know, it, this gets really technical, but I mean, that that's covenant of works instead of covenant of grace, exactly. right? And and so, and we could flesh that out probably at a later date, what covenant of works is and how it was overtaken by the covenant of grace and right. reformed theology, etc. But suffice it to say that we all have that tendency to go back to the covenant of works or the works-based salvation, which is, if I do this just enough, then all of a sudden I'll be morally okay enough for God to save me. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Right, because there is no way you can do enough. No, like, no. I, I think of, like, uh, a scoreboard then, right, and and Gary's good works versus what Gary owes. Yeah. It's, it, it's impossible. Like, yeah. I can't earn my way. I can't do enough good works. Yeah. And so that doesn't leave me hanging my head hopeless. That leads me to... I really need a savior. Yeah. And that yeah. savior can only be Jesus Christ. Yeah. To doing good works is basic doing good works for the sake of your salvation just because you think that somehow it'll morally make you okay in God's eyes mm-hmm. is about the exact same thing as taking a squirt gun and shooting it into the Atlantic Ocean hopefully hoping someday you can raise the level where you can swim. Right. It makes no sense whatsoever. Right. But we do it because we ultimately think that somehow it's about us and mm-hmm. therefore if I do this, I'll be okay with what I'm doing, and therefore God will be okay with right, what I'm doing. Right, right. So it's this: I'm really doing this for me, right? It, because ultimately, it's about my salvation. It's right. not about the other person. It's not about God's glory. I'm doing it for me, right? And going back to what you know, the, the Psalm passage of what Chris taught and you taught yesterday, and what we've been saying over the last two, three weeks. Jesus, being the shepherd, tells us: Guess what? You're a dumb sheep. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that means I'm going to lead you with what you need to do, and all the good actions that you take care of are me leading you to them in the first place. Exactly, right? So Yeah, and, and David somehow, through the Holy Spirit, of course, grabbed on to this, that it's not my work. And I would love to know, like, exactly when he wrote this psalm. We don't yeah, know. We don't know. Um, I've read a couple commentaries that say, oh, it's... It's so clear that he is a shepherd, that he knows the shepherd's life, that he probably wrote it when he was younger. Yeah. But yet, there's also commentaries, commentators that will say, this just sounds like the grizzled veteran that has been through 
a bunch of stuff. Yes. And we know, hindsight, that David does go through a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And so could this be him writing with years of experience? It could be. Could this be writing him with youthful energy? It could be. But what's really interesting, I would love to know where he's at in his walk because did he just give in to the lust with Bathsheba? Yeah. And, and then write, you lead me along the right paths for yeah. your name's sake. Yeah. Did he just have his life threatened by Saul yeah. and not kill Saul, even though everyone around him was saying, it's it's your time, like, take your crown, do your thing. Did, was he just betrayed by Absalom? Right. I, like, know, all I, of I, these events of his life that we hear so much about, yeah. uh, that would be wonderful to know, like, where was he when he wrote this? <sighs> Yeah, uh, I, but we, but of course we don't, right? And that's where the Holy Spirit is simply guiding him to write. I do the right path, not for my good, but for God's name. Yeah, yeah. I even referenced yesterday. There was a time, didn't David try to count his men in his army? Yeah, and God disciplined him for that. Yeah, and I, I questioned. David in this way then like so as he was being tempted to go down the right path to build an army for God he tried to do it for his name's sake for David's name's sake and that became the wrong path then so this seems like a learning for David to say why am I doing the right thing not so that David gets more glory but so God does yeah Absolutely. And, you know, to use a Jim Cornette uh, phrase, boy, howdy. Right. right. I mean, right. it's he's sitting here in whatever part of life he's in, obviously knowing at least a little bit of trauma, mm-hmm. knowing some hardship. Right. And especially when you get to verse four, like that's a dead giveaway of right. what he's he had to see through something. the valley of the shadow of death. Especially yeah. I, I, I hope to reference this like. That sounds way too real to be made oh, up. Oh, yeah, that, like, that, yeah. It's not like him talking fourth person, like, oh, so-and-so told me that there's a valley of the shadow of the death over there. Yeah, I mean, it, for far be it from us to, it's called eisegesis. When we read into the scriptures rather than right. what scriptures say. Right. But, geez, you read that and you go, that's it's that's real. not a 17-year-old right. shepherd. That, right. There's something there. Right. Uh, it, when he gets to kind of those first four and verse five, that's when you go, man, something must have happened. But right. what's interesting in all of that is David doesn't even say, I'm doing this. He says, the Lord is leading me to this. He right. puts the emphasis right. on God doing the action. Right, right. You know, the, the shepherd is the one who leads me, and the shepherd is the one who sustains me. Right. So even in the context of morality, he's saying, it's not necessarily morality. There's only following the Holy Spirit. There's something following incredible God. about the rest of this. Like from verse 4 on, there's uh, a change in his language. There's a turn in uh, how real God is. Yeah. And I feel like the rest of the psalm has God right next to him. Yeah. Not as a far off. Uh, maybe putting this language like it's not my parents' faith, it's not someone else's faith, it's my yeah. faith. Like I recognize how much I need God right yep. now. Yep, There's, something like that. I agree, and it's it's a very personal psalm, and you're exactly oh, yeah. right. You can you can take almost the first three verses that talk about God's glory and God's magnificence and how God does all of this leading and guiding and shepherding and caring, 
And then all of a sudden in verse 4, it kind of takes this slow arc where David is saying, and while all that's true, things are still not okay, but I still have a shepherd who leads me. And then going back at the end and saying, he's the only one who could. Absolutely. And so you have this full narrative of it's not him. It's weird with David, and I'll tell you why. It's weird in a good way because every, at least in my opinion, every other leader has this idea of God as our faith Mm -hmm. in Israel, Mm -hmm. right? Moses is the God of, he says, it's the God of Israel. Abraham, it's the God of Israel. You know, Isaac, Jacob, the whole nine. You get to David, it's the God of Israel, yes, but David is one of the first ones, especially in Psalm 23, who says, this is the God of me. Right. And Abraham, yes, he proclaims him as his God, etc. But David almost has like this passionate relationship with, not just this observance of. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think it becomes so personal and becomes so real. And there's a reason why his tagline is David, a man after God's own heart. Yeah. Right. And I think there's something incredibly real about his, uh, about his authenticity and about how he writes. And it's quite often like encouraged and, and maybe it's, this is just regular noise than saying this, but man, I, I really ask people to journal. I ask people to write, write your thoughts down and that this is kind of David's journal. Like this is David getting out his prayers and writing them down. And if it helped him be a man after God's own heart, why wouldn't it help us be a man, a woman after God's own heart? Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. And with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, they all had a personal relationship with God. Absolutely. But with David, it's very much they are walking together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to even notice the, uh, you know, the adjectives, whatever, the 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 nouns. Right. Where he could have easily said, the Lord is our shepherd. Right. But what does he say? The Lord is my, my right. shepherd. Right, right. And that's so true for all of us. Agreed. We, it's, it's our God, yes, but it's important for us to realize that, yes, though it's our God, He's also my God right? because there's a personal relationship there, and that is what the shepherd sustains us through. Someone had told me this, and I, and I hadn't looked it up, and we can trust uh, Google. Hopefully here I just typed it in. But David has mentioned the second most times. The name is mentioned the second most times. Really? So, Didn't know that. Uh, according to this... Uh, just quick Google search. Jesus is mentioned 1,281 times by name. Yep. Now, that doesn't bring in, remember, all of the Isaiah stuff where yeah. it's really talking about him. But yep, prophecy. And yeah. Whatnot, yeah. Uh, but anyways, his name, 1,281. David is 971 wow. as second place. And then Moses, 803. Jacob, 363. So that really drops off there. Yep. So you get kind of the big three, Jesus, David, Moses. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's interesting. That that is very interesting. I I don't hang my hat on this, like whether this is, uh, completely true because it's on the internet, but that's something to take a note of. Yeah. It, it shows you how, you know, how not only how revered David is, but the, the relationship that he had with, with the Lord through good and, and through his mistakes and his triumphs too. So, 
Uh, the Gary and Jesse Talk About Stuff podcast is brought to you by the Bigfoot Historical Textbook. Oh. <laughs> One Bigfoot Historical Textbook is better than two of something else. <laughs> I, I disagree with that. I, I would much rather have two of the chicken pants than the... the <laughs> We're brought to you by the Bigfoot Historical Textbook. As far as the eye can see... <laughs> What? I guess that's the slogan. So you use them like binoculars? I do. Is that what you so, do? Hey, but you know what they say. A day without Bigfoot historical textbook is like a day without sunshine. <laughs> they're, yep, totally. They're getting they're, worse. They're getting worse. They're getting worse. Wow. Uh, strong and beautiful, just like the Bigfoot historical textbook. Now, that one I like because hey, it's so ridiculous that, like that, that, one. that could fit. I yeah. really like that one. Aren't you proud of me? I came up with I, a Bigfoot historical I have, textbook. That is called impressive, by actually. I like I, that. I was thinking the whole time while we were talking about Psalm 23, yep. hey, what about Bigfoot historical textbook? This is what our podcast is like. We talk so much, we even space out amongst ourselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then we just keep talking. Yep, we just keep talking. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I guess that's how it <laughs> works. Uh, what are we going to be talking about? Same thing for the next few weeks, right? Yep. Psalm 23, verse 4, verse 5. Verse 6, yep. and that all leads up to Monday, Thursday, to Good Friday. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Monday, Thursday is at the Orange City campus. Yep. Good Friday is at the Sheldon campus. Correct. Yep. And then each respective campus has their Easter Sunday service on April 17. Pretty yep. early Easter this year. Yeah, it is, actually, which is, you know, I, it's nice, but... Uh, the way the calendar falls. The, the calendar falls. Uh, events, uh, happenings, anything coming up? So we have, uh, I believe it's, I'd have to check specifically the calendar, but it's April 9, I want to say. April uh, 9. It's Saturday, if I remember correct. Okay. And we are having what's called Meat Men Eating Animals Together. I love that name. Yeah, that was a You uh, mentioned this uh, last week. and. Yep. Uh, Wonderful name, good idea. Yeah, that was a Chris Lean uh, idea. He's a he's a smarter man than I. <laughs> I would have called it Grill Out and Talk, but Grill you know, Out and Talk. Yeah, the goat. The goat. So, but yeah, yeah, that's actually pretty. Good. It actually works, grill but out Grill out, out and Talk. That's not bad. Funny enough, I just came up with that on the top yeah, of my head. So job. there you go. You're pretty good. But we have meat. Uh, that's men eating animals together. We invite all men, both Orange City, Sheldon, throughout. Uh, you know, either congregation. In either town, um, basically what we're doing here is gathering together at noon, grilling some steaks, just a bunch of dudes talking and figuring out, hey, do you guys have something in common? How can we plug you guys in with one another? How can we do this time together as a group of men wanting to build relationships? So, so there will quite literally be meat yes. at meat. Yep. And they that's on April 9. That is a Saturday. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can, where were they supposed to go? Was I spacing out while you said it? No, sorry. I missed that part. Right in the Living Water parking lot over in Sheldon. Okay. So. so show up at the Living Water Sheldon campus parking lot for men. Eating animals together. Eating animals. Hey, uh, if we want a slogan for that. Yeah. Do it in the. We should really check out best slogans. Oh yeah. boy! Oh boy! Yeah. Uh, meet men eating animals together. It's inspirational. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess it could be. Okay. I, yeah. Everything we do 
is driven by meat. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. Uh, here's a really good one. I, I, I would challenge you to uh, quickly remember who it's ripping off. Mm-hmm. What can meat do for you? Mm. Mm. Isn't that uh, UPS? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yep. What can brown do yep. for you? Why can't everything be meat? Yes. That's actually pretty good. I like that. Why can't everything be men eating animals together? (laughs) That's a valid question, Uh, I guess. Meat, it's crazy good. eh, That's that's just like meat. It's what's for dinner. Like, what? Okay. Meat, it makes everything better. Well, that is true. You uh yeah. you and yeah. Ron Swanson would get along really well. I yeah, the only difference is that Ron Swanson has his number three breakfast or number three food wrapped around his number one food. So <laughs> and I would switch bacon and shrimp. So yeah. if you like if you make posters of this, like meat. Yeah. Would Whoa. it be okay to have Ron Swanson like as like your backdrop or something. It's funny you mentioned that because I was gonna bring that up on Friday with Chris and be like, guess what? On our posters, because there's like this whole icon that he drew up and mm-hmm. it's awesome. Yeah. I actually want to hang a poster in, and I don't know if it's appropriate at all, but in church and be like, meet Ron Swanson says, eat it. <laughs> you know, because I just think you that's could awesome. have him pointing like yeah. the Uncle Sam thing, like yeah. have him pointing yeah exactly. right at it's the right person. There. That's pretty good. Just a whole bunch of Ron Swanson stuff. Like, I hate skim milk because it's milk that's lying about being milk. <laughs> you, know? you could have, like, a couple. Like, you could do a whole slow, a series of these posters yep. with different little slogans yeah. from Ron Swanson. Yeah, that's a great idea. Meat. There's only meat. three acceptable haircuts. The that's high and good. tight buzz cut crew cut. Are the scissors broken in your house, son? <laughs> meat. Like, that's awesome. I like this. I'm a big fan of Ron Swanson. Yes. I think he's pretty funny. Yes. Um, meat, just like mom used to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, adequate, I yeah, guess. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, meat, you're in good hands. You're in good hands. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, meat, it gets the job done. That is true. Oh, man. That is true. Uh, hopefully many eating animals together will get the job done. That's I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on our slogan, but show up on April 9. Yep. Um, meat. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. We're doing communion every week. Yes, we Uh, are. Part of the reason we're doing that is filling back up. Lent is historically a time where you give something up, where you give something away, and we are filling back up with good with christ with remembering what he has done mm-hmm. uh, something like that right yep exactly it and yeah. and it's our hope that you look at communion a bit differently after mm-hmm. this i think mm-hmm. you know unfortunately communion and i love communion i know that you do too uh gary uh it's become one of those things that we just kind of do in western society right but there's some specialness when you do it every single week. It kind of reinvigorates the idea of why we do this and how important it is and the specialness of right, it. Right, so right. Hopefully you're looking at communion differently in this season. I've had a couple of mentions that, oh, man, like I, I'm kind of liking this. Or, yeah. or it's been refreshing in a way. Yeah. Um, we've tried to, I don't know what you have done at Sheldon, um, at Orange City, I try to kind of take a little bit of a different angle with it, mm-hmm. um, even celebrate it a different way. Like this past week, um, 
we handed the tray back and forth and back and forth, kind of quote unquote old school. Yeah. And then we took it at the same time. Uh, the week before that, we did our usual, which is intinction, it's called. And you walk up to the front, you rip the bread off, you dip the thing in. Yep. Like this week, there was this kind of purposeful, we're doing this at the same time kind of yeah. feel. There, there's something different about seeing a different angle, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you mention that because we talked about the trajectory of the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And so for the first three weeks, we intentionally did it the same way that we have been doing with little plastic cups and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Take mm -hmm. the cup, go back to your seat, whatever. This week, uh, as we round the corner to four and five, mm -hmm. as the, as the Psalm gets more personal, I want to do that and have everybody take it back to their seat and then drink it all together. Mm -hmm. And then by the time we get to good Friday uh, or excuse, yeah, good Friday, I think what we're going to do, is have everybody one by one uh, come tear off the bread, dip it in the wine, and then walk out of church in silence. Oh, that'll be cool. And yep. so as we do the trajectory of the psalm, I think we also do the trajectory of the Lord's Supper. I think so, right? So, yeah. Yep. All right. So mark your calendars for all of those things that we've talked about. Go to forallwhothirst.com to hear past podcasts. Uh, go to forallwhothirst.com to be updated on the calendar, to know how to give, to know how to be involved, to sign up, to get all the emails, to sign up, to stay connected. Jesse, I love your face. Love your face.